Thank you, music team. That tune, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. There's a word in that hymn, a phrase in that hymn, prone to wonder, prone to leave the God we love. That is a theme that we will explore this morning in Joshua chapter 23. So thank you all for playing that this morning. Joshua chapter 23, if you will turn there. If you don't have a Bible, I invite you to grab the one in the chair in front of you, and we're on page 197. We're coming to near the end of our series in the book of Joshua. Just one more sermon after this week, and this summer we'll move into a series in some of the Psalms. Joshua chapter 23, this is the second of three sermons that Joshua gives before he dies. This is the word of the Lord. A long time afterward, when Yahweh had given rest to Israel from all their surrounding enemies, Joshua was old and well advanced in years. Joshua summoned all Israel, its elders and heads, its judges and officers, and he said to them, I am now old and well advanced in years, and you have seen all that Yahweh your God has done to all the nations for your sake. For it is Yahweh your God who has fought for you. Behold, I have allotted to you as an inheritance for your tribes those nations that remain, along with all the nations that have already cut off from the Jordan to the great sea in the west. Yahweh your God will push them back before you and drive them out of your sight, and you shall possess their land just as Yahweh your God promised you. Therefore, be very strong to keep and to do all that is written in the book of the law of Moses, turning aside from it neither to the right hand nor to the left, that you may not mix with these nations remaining among you or make mention of the names of their gods or swear by them or serve them or bow down to them. But you shall cling to Yahweh your God just as you have done to this day. For Yahweh has driven out before you great and strong nations. And as for you, no man has been able to stand before you to this day. One man of you puts to flight a thousand, since it is Yahweh your God who fights for you, just as he promised you. Be very careful, therefore, to love Yahweh your God. For if you turn back, and cling to the remnant of these nations remaining among you, and make marriages with them, so that you associate with them and they with you. Know for certain that Yahweh your God will no longer drive out these nations before you, but they shall be a snare and a trap for you, a whip on your sides and thorns in your eyes until you perish from off this good ground that Yahweh your God has given you. And now I'm about to go the way of all the earth. And you know in your hearts and souls, all of you, that not one word has failed of all the good things that Yahweh, your God, promised concerning you. All have come to pass for you. Not one of them has failed. But just as all the good things that Yahweh, your God, promised concerning you have been fulfilled for you, so Yahweh will bring upon you all the evil things until he has destroyed you from off this good land that Yahweh your God has given you, if you transgress the covenant of Yahweh your God, which he commanded you, and go and serve other gods and bow down to them. Then the anger of Yahweh will be kindled against you, and you shall perish quickly from off the good land that he has given you. Let's pray. 
Lord, we thank you for your holy word and for the truth. And Lord, we see abundant truth and application for our lives, for the Christian life here in this passage. Lord, teach us, instruct us in the way that we should go. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. As I said before, Joshua chapter 23 is the second of three sermons that Joshua will deliver before he dies. And in this particular sermon, he gathers all the leaders of Israel to himself, the the elders, the, the priests, the officers. He's got a leadership conference going on here as he gets ready to, he says, depart, to die. But if you look in verse 6 of this sermon that Joshua gives, you find a command that is there that is echoed throughout all of Scripture. Look there with me, will you, in verse 6. This command is very clear and very direct. This command is paramount for fidelity to Yahweh God and to His covenant. He says, therefore, be very strong to keep and to do all that is written in the book of the law of Moses turning aside from it neither to the right hand nor to the left. This command not to turn to the right or to the left is not a new command given by Joshua, for it is a truth that has been taught before. It's echoing some of the words that Moses gave to the people of Israel before they entered the promised land. Specifically in Deuteronomy chapter 5, just after Moses had uh, restated the Ten Commandments to the people of Israel and told them this is how they are to live, this is how they are to be faithful followers and faithful worshipers of him. He says, you shall be careful therefore to do as the Lord your God has commanded you. You shall not turn aside to the right hand or to the left. You shall walk in the way that the Lord your God has commanded you, that you may live and that it may go well with you and you may live long in the land you shall possess. And then later on in the wisdom literature, specifically in Proverbs chapter 4, we find this wise instruction from a father to a son, where he says, let your eyes look directly before you and your your gaze straight before you. Ponder the path of your feet, then all your ways will be sure, sure. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Turn your foot away from evil. And then finally, our Lord Jesus picks up on this important theme in his great sermon on the mount when he tells his followers, enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction, and those who enter by it are many, for the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. You get the idea, right? Straight and narrow is the way that leads to life. That's a good southern saying, right? Are you on the straight and narrow, son? You know, I know I needed that. (laughs) Why would this instruction be given over and over and over in the scriptures? Why did Joshua give this to the leadership of Israel? Because it's tempting to think, isn't it? When we're going along in life, when we are to be on the straight and narrow, that there's something better if we go to the right. Or to the left. But to follow God faithfully, we must stay the course. We must fix our gaze straight ahead and stay on the straight and narrow way. And so in Joshua chapter 23, that is the warning that's being given to the people of God. And so Joshua summons all these leaders together and he he reminds them. If you look in verses 1 through 5, this is a reminder. He's saying, 
You have seen how awesome God has been. He says, you have experienced how God has fought for you. You now have possession of the wonderful inheritance of the promised land. You have seen how Yahweh God has conquered all your enemies. And so basically Joshua is saying, God has been very, very good, has he not? God has good. He's been very good in tangible ways. And he's saying to the leaders, let's not forget that. Let's not forget how God has been very good. And because God has been so good and so faithful, the challenge, the mission for Israel, should they choose to accept it, is going to be to strive to remain faithful and not get comfortable in their land and in their victories and with all their possessions and then forsake the Lord their God. Because life can be that way sometimes, can it not? We're sailing along, everything is good, we're not experiencing any suffering or adversity, and we can fall into this lackadaisical mentality that we don't really need God right now because, you know, nothing hard is going on. In essence, we can become comfortable and at ease with our position in life and forget all about God. But this is not just a message to the nation of Israel, is it? It's a message to all of God's people for all of time. This is a a great sermon for the church today. As the hymn states, we are prone to wonder, are we not? We are prone to leave the God we love. So how do we keep from wondering? How do we remain faithful? This sermon from Joshua will give us the principles that we must follow, that we must have to stay on the straight and narrow way. And so the big idea is this. The big idea that Joshua is trying to communicate to the leadership here, the big idea that is being communicated to us, the church today, is this. God is faithful, and therefore we are called to be faithful to him. God is faithful, and we are called to be faithful to him. So how can we be faithful to him? How can we remain steadfast in our faith? We remain steadfast and faithful to God by staying on the narrow way, not swerving to the right or the left, By loving, keeping, and remembering. Those are the three things I want us to think about when we look at how do we remain faithful to our Lord and our God. By loving Him, by keeping His commands, and by remembering His covenant. The first, we remain faithful by loving God. Look there with me back in verses 11 through 13. Here Joshua says, Be very careful. Therefore, to love Yahweh your God. Now, why would he need to tell them this? Why would he need to say something like, hey, be careful. Be careful about how you love the Lord your God. Well, as we've said before, it's easy to stop loving God by ignoring him or forgetting about him or simply just being apathetic about him in our day-to-day lives. It's easy for you high school students. Oh, I'll just go off to college and have fun. I'll worry about religion when I get out of college. Or you graduated, you're done with college. Oh, I'll worry about religion and following the Lord when I get married and have a family one day. Pretty easy, right? Some of us are shaking your head. Yeah, I did that. That wasn't smart. We have to be careful about how we love the Lord our God. Because think about this from the position of Israel right now. War was over. The promised land was theirs. 
And they were in great danger of failing to love the Lord their God with all their heart, their soul, and their mind because things maybe had just gotten easy for them. How were they specifically to be careful of how they love God? Well, he gives them two ways here in verses 12 through 13. He says they are to be careful how they love the Lord their God by not doing a couple of things. They were not to synchronize their lives and their worship with the remnant of the nations that remained in the promised land. Israel was to recognize that there was still a remnant of people that remained in the promised land. And as we've said before in our study of Joshua, these were not just innocent, good, nice people who were farming their land. These were people who were, who were sacrificing their children and who were worshiping false gods. These are the type of people that were left in the promised land. And, they were told, and Yahweh told them not to associate with them. And that they needed to watch themselves because they might be in danger of associating with them And if they did this, look in verse 13. These people would become a snare to them, a trap, a whip at their sides, thorn in their eyes if they were not careful. And so Joshua gave them these very serious warnings that they were not to cling to these godless nations and their ways. And specifically, they were not to intermarry with them because it would be their destruction if they choose to disobey God in this way. Back in verse 8, you'll see that Joshua calls the people to faithfulness by telling them that they must cling to Yahweh their God. Think about that. They must cling to Yahweh their God. For those of us who have young children, for those of you who have Older children, perhaps grandchildren now, there's nothing better than a child coming and just giving you one of those big clinging hugs, right? And not letting you go. This is the way that Israel was to love the Lord their God and him alone. Because the same word, this cling word, is used in verse 12, where they are warned not to cling to the godless nations and their false gods that remained in the promised land. And so the question for Israel was, who were they going to cling to? Were they going to cling to Yahweh, their God, or to the false gods of these other nations? Because what is being taught here is that God's grace is extended to those who love him, to those who cling to him, to those who are faithful to him. But as we will learn later, God's promise is that there will be curses on those who do not do so. But these corporate commands, these instructions that Joshua is given to the leadership of Israel, they have individual application. They're to be worked out individually in in the lives of God's people. And so there's two specific warnings that are given here. One is about marriage, and the other is about guilt by association. And I want to preach to everyone here, but especially to you graduates, those of you who just finished high school and those of you who just finished college, these are so important for you to win at life. Isn't that what the millennials are saying these days? You want to win at life? This is it. The first place that Israel is warned here is not to intermarry with the remnant of the nations remaining in the promised land. This is a command that shows up over and over and over in Scripture, not just for Israel, but for the church as well. This command is very important for Christians, especially young people. 
When you marry, marry in the Lord. Marry a believer. And I mean a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean someone who will look you in the eyes and say, I love Jesus more than you. My hope is in Christ more than you. That is the type of person that you want to marry. Christians are commanded not to marry unbelievers. This command is very clear in 2 Corinthians chapter 6 when God's people are told not to be unequally yoked with unbelievers. If you don't know what a yoke is, a yoke is this is this contraption that would go over two donkeys, two mules, two horses, that they would pull together in one direction to plow a field or to pull uh, people and that kind of thing. But if you had this big old stallion and then a small little donkey trying to be yoked together to plow the field, you know, good luck. I mean, you'd have just rows all over the place. It wouldn't work right. It's the same in the Christian life. If you're going to be married, You want to be yoked to someone where you are pulling in the same direction. Where you both have the same goal, and that is glorifying God and loving Jesus. And so young people, listen up. Please hear me. You will save yourself tremendous grief and pain and confusion and suffering if you take this command to heart. If you choose to fall in love with someone who does not love Jesus, it will not go well for you. It will be hard. Too many young people have grown up in the church and they've ignored this command and they've caused great harm to themselves and to their family and to their church. And so when you marry, marry in the Lord. The warning is very clear here. You will be led astray and ensnared by their unbelieving ways. By the way, spoiler alert, if you read ahead... Pretty much the rest of the Old Testament is us looking and going, Israel, don't do that. Don't be stupid. God said, don't do that. And they did it anyway. And it caused them great pain and suffering. But most importantly, if you ignore this command, then you are being unfaithful to God. And rather than loving him, you're loving yourself more and you're hating his ways. So we must heed this command. But furthermore, Israel was warned not to associate with these nations, nor let them associate with you. The reason was given back in Deuteronomy 30 that we read earlier, because when they did this, if they did this, he he said, you're prone to wonder. And you're prone to wonder because your hearts would be turned away from Yahweh your God, and you would be tempted to worship and serve other gods. So what this might look like is you're going to marry a foreign woman, someone who doesn't love God or know God, and she tells you, hey, corn season's coming up. And if we want our corn to, to go, well, we need to go and sacrifice and worship this sheriff pole over here. Okay, let's go do that. No, don't do that. That is what is they're being warned against. The reason is clear. We're not to worship false gods because these nations... Of these, of these nations. Because if Israel did these things and associated with them, they would be tempted to follow their ways. Now today, this may not seem as overt to us. No one has asked me to go worship their corn god lately. I don't know about you. Uh, no one has asked me to participate in their false religion. But I have been tempted 
to be drawn into this religion called politics. And I've been told that if I don't vote a certain way or read certain news or believe certain things, then I may not be a true believer. Or if I don't give all my time and attention to sports and I worship that God, then I may not be of a true believer. Or if I don't give all my effort to my career or what about you? What kind of school are you sending your children to? Because that's the measure of faithfulness that we're going to follow here. You see how it goes. We get followed, we get tempted to follow these, these religious tests. And we are led astray. What is it that is drawing your heart away from God? Because you're giving all your time and attention and your worry to that instead of loving the Lord God and loving his word. The warning is clear. If you want to remain faithful to the Lord your God, then be careful and separate from everything that is not of the Lord. And secondly, one of the most practical ways that we remain faithful to God is not just by loving him, but how we love him, and we love him by keeping his word. Look there in verse 6, where he gives them, he says, therefore, therefore in light of all this good and faithful things that Yahweh your God has done for you, be very strong to keep and to do all that is written in the book of the law of Moses. The most practical way that we show love for God and practice love for God is by doing and keeping his word. This was an important exhortation that Joshua gave to the leaders of Israel. Because faithfulness to Yahweh, their God, starts by being faithful to keep his word. God's people were to remain faithful by being very strong to keep and to do all that was written in the book of the law of Moses. That would have been their Bible at that time. Their Bibles would have consisted of the scrolls of Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. This was God's will for them. This was their Bible. These were the scriptures that they were to follow and to obey. So God's word was very clear for them, and the commands were clear, clear warnings to them that their faithfulness was going to be specifically tied to their ability and to their desire to keep the word. Specifically, the commands and the warnings that were given over and over against idolatry and against this idea of intermarrying with non-believers. It was already covered in full by the law of Moses in Deuteronomy. And so the principle is this. There is a great blessing in keeping and doing the word of God. Blessed is the man who delights in the law of the Lord. And on this law he meditates day and night. And so the most practical way that we can be very careful to love God every day with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind, and to keep from being tempted to stray away is by doing what it says. And so, yes, this is an exhortation to read your Bible every day. Followers of Christ need to be in the Word of God every day so that we may be blessed, so that we may be careful to follow all the words of the law. But last, we see that we remain faithful by remembering God's covenant. Look there in verses 14 through 16. We are to remain faithful by remembering God's covenant. 
This chapter and this closing of Joshua's second sermon, it does not have a happy ending. It does not end on a, on a high note. It does not conclude with, on a resounding note to go out and live a victorious Christian life for God. No, it concludes with a very stern and a very powerful warning. It is, in fact, a negative ending. And we don't like negative endings, do we? We certainly don't like, believe me, I know too well that congregations do not like sermons that end negatively. But this is the Bible, and this is how this sermon ends. It ends on a negative note. Joshua 23 doesn't leave us with the luxury of, can I move verse 14 to the end and then move verses 15 through 16 up. It leads us with this resounding truth that we find over and over in the scriptures. And this truth is this, that God is both faithful in his kindness and in his judgment. God is both faithful in his kindness and in his judgment. Yahweh God's goodness and his justice and holiness is displayed both in Covenant blessings and covenant curses. That's the way the covenant works. That's the way that God's promise works with his people. If you obey, there will be blessing. If you disobey, there will be curses. This is the biblical principle that is, there is displayed over and over in the scriptures. There's blessing in obedience, but in disobedience, it's like a cancer that eats away at our lives. As parents, we're oftentimes judgmental of other parents when they tell us things that they allow their kids to do that we don't necessarily approve of. What do you mean you let your child eat at McDonald's three times a day? Or what do you mean you let your child play video games at 3 a.m. in the morning? Of course we would disapprove of such parenting. So what kind of God the Father would Yahweh be if he allowed his covenant children just to do whatever, he, whatever they wanted, knowing that their foolish, foolish actions, that their foolish decisions would be their doom. No, we want and need a God who is both gracious and kindness toward us, but also firm in his discipline to correct us when we turn aside to the right or to the left. This is the loving God that Joshua reminds Israel to love and to obey and to keep the covenant. Because, you know, again, back to thinking about parenting, the hip thing to do this day and age, whether it be at school or in our parenting at home, is to only treat children with positive commands, right? And support them if, they are, are, if they're in need of correction with regards to their bad behavior. So how do we correct bad behavior? Just... More positive reinforcement. This is a nice idea, but history is a great teacher here, right? Without the positive and negative reinforcement, we would all go our own way. And this is often the way we would go, would be head first into sin and foolishness. And so biblical parenting includes both positive and negative reinforcement, both Blessing and curses. It's the same in the Christian life. It's both the grace of God that we need to follow him, but it's also the fear of God when we disobey him that should motivate us to faithfulness toward him. So we must remember, we must see this biblical command here very clearly, this precedent very clearly 
There are blessings and there are curses for obedience and disobedience. But in verse 14, we find this great promise of Joshua repeated yet again. This has been the theme for our entire sermon series on the book of Joshua. Well, Joshua says that not one word has failed of all the good things that Yahweh your God has promised concerning you. All have come to pass. Not one of them has failed. And yet, here again is another reminder from Joshua that the big reason for covenant faithfulness from the people of God is because not one of God's promises have failed. They have all came to pass. God has been faithful. And therefore, we are called to be faithful in response to him. We are reminded again that we serve a loving and faithful God. And in Christ, in Christ Jesus, not one promise has failed. Not one of God's good promises have failed his people. Everything has been accomplished for us in Christ, our Savior, our God, our King. God has not left one thing undone. Not one Good thing has he withheld from us. He gave his one and only son. Therefore, the love and the grace of God, it's a great teacher for us. It is our motivation to serve and to obey and to love God and to cling to him because of all that he has done for us. But we know that it will be difficult, and it does get difficult to faithfully follow God each and every day. Because we're prone to wonder. We're prone to swerve to the left or swerve to the right and get off the straight and narrow way. And so what must we do to be saved? How can we be assured of God's faithfulness, of God's correcting discipline? How can we get back on the straight and narrow way when we wander off? We must do, we must practice What the Christian life teaches us to do every day, we must turn to Christ. We must turn to the Lord Jesus Christ who obeyed God perfectly, who kept all the commands, who never wandered off the way, who stayed on the straight and narrow, but who did what we could not do for ourselves. He sacrificed himself. He received the wrath and curse of God's for us so that we might be right before God. And so may God give us the grace to daily repent, to believe, to cling to Christ. Let's pray. Our Lord and our God, we thank you so much for these words of instruction that are very clear, that are very direct that are very purposeful for us. Lord, help us to see that what is before us is the pattern of how we are to live the Christian life. So, Lord, please give us the strength to be strong, to keep and to do all that is written in your word. Lord, give us strength to cling to you, our Lord and our God. Give us strength to be careful how we love you and serve you by following your commands. Specifically, Lord, what it says about marriage and how we are to watch ourselves from associating with the gods of this world father help us ultimately to see that not one of your good and precious promises have failed us 
all has been accomplished for us in Christ Jesus our Lord. That is our motivation to obey. Give us strength to follow you faithfully. And we praise you for your faithfulness. In Jesus' name, amen.